With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. E-S-N-Y. That's a that's a great way to start off the podcast. I'm already in a bad mood today. I'm in a bad mood, and then we have technical issues to start off the podcast. To be honest, and I don't know about you, but it's just been a bad week, just in general. It's like, what is there a full moon coming up? It has yeah. been a bad week, and now yeah. I, now I have to wear these goddamn rhinoceros headphones. This look at these things; they're massive. I know they do look kind of funny. Yeah. I'm just, I'm in a bad mood. I'm like, I'm the worst student in the world. I'm like the most unfriendly person in a school setting. And today was like, I had to do, I had to do a group project today in class. And that's like my worst nightmare. Like, I just, I hate working with other people on school projects. I don't know what it is. Cause like, if I have to, like, we work together every week. We do work together with people at the website all the time. And I'm like, totally fine with all that. And it's just, for whatever reason, when it's a school project and I have to work with people that I don't really know that well, I'm like, fuck this. Like, I just want to leave right now. I just want to drop out of school entirely. So well, I'm, I'm so glad that you don't feel that way about this podcast. That makes me feel a lot better about myself. No, well, we've been doing this for what, almost two years now. So I think if we hated working together, we probably would have shut it down a while ago. For sure. For sure. For sure. All right. Well, this is episode 97, getting real close to that big 100 number of the Bleacher Creatures Yankees podcast presented by Elite Sports New York, Crossing Broad, Warwick Gaming, and XL Media. As always, brought to you by Rivercrest NYC. This week brought to you by Rhinoceros headphones that are on my head right now. And I mean, I'm just ready for the season to start. I don't really care about spring training anymore. You know, it's super funny because my... um my grandma keeps asking me every time I call her, she's like, is there baseball on it? And I'm like, well, technically, but no. So I said, wait until April 1st. And just so you all know, April 1st is my grandmother's birthday and she's a big Yankees fan. So super exciting day for her on, on many, many fronts. So super excited. That is exciting. I'm going to have to remember to text you to tell your, your grandma, mother. I can't even remember already. I'm just grandma mother i can't even remember because these things are distracting me um happy birthday on opening day that's nice that's a that's a very fun day in the case household i know i know so we're, we're super excited for that but yeah i'm quite honestly not that i'm over spring training but i'm just i'm just ready for games to like actually mean something and i really just want to see how these players are actually going to do um you know, in the major league competition, as opposed to, you know, facing guys that they're not even going to see this season potentially. So, yeah. Cause how often do we do this where we get really not like really into spring training, but we get really invested in the results of spring training 
And I mean, I've gotten better with it over the last few years, but I mean, I'm looking at a guy like Jay Bruce who had a hot start and then trailed off. And now all of a sudden you have to make a decision on whether or not you're keeping him or Mike Talkman on the roster. Talkman's been hidden. Okay. Not great. Okay. Bruce has been hidden under 200 with some power. And it's like in the back of my mind, I know that the Yankees have already made their decision. They already, before spring training even started, they knew who they were going to go with. And this was just, you know, position battle, whatever. Like, let's see, maybe something changes. But like, now that we're at that breaking point, I'm reminded of the fact that the Yankees had probably already chosen who they want. And I don't care about the position battle anymore. It doesn't matter to me. Right, right. I mean, the lineup, the lineup and the roster itself are, are actually set. I mean, there's there's really nothing else to do except to, you know, watch some practices of players, see them play a couple of innings, see Aaron Judge hit his first home run in the spring. That's always exciting. But like, what's more exciting, him hitting his first home run of the regular season or spring training? Yeah, I mean, it's it's tough competition because that home run today was an absolute monster shot. Oh, yeah, what was that sure. like 440 feet? That's a that's a pretty I good piece of hitting. Landed. Yeah, and so that's something to get excited about. And obviously, the overreactors of Yankees Facebook and Yankees Twitter were saying, "Oh, I don't know, Judge isn't really hitting for power yet. Maybe he's going to take a step back this year." Like, shut up, shut up, guys. We all knew that Aaron Judge's power was going to be there. There was never a, a single doubt that Aaron Judge was going to hit for power. That's just who he is. He's a massive human being. Obviously, the home run numbers are going to be there. All we cared about was, is he going to stay healthy? Is he going to be on the opening day roster? Is he going to be on the field opening day? That's all we cared about. Here's the real question. Is he going to be on the field opening day, but um, going to the other end of that, is he also going to be um, on the field at the end of the season when they're in the pennant race, potentially? That is also what you want to know. And everywhere in between, of course. But Yeah, is he on the field May 9th? Is he on the field July 31st? Like, I just want to see this guy play 140 games this year because if he plays 140 games, he could, he could mess around and win an MVP. And that would be cool. It's not the, the end-all, be-all because we know we're here for a ring. We want a championship. So we care that Aaron Judge is healthy and ready to go in October, but it would be kind of nice if he added some hardware to the personal trophy case. I wouldn't be complaining. Uh, I wouldn't say the least. And besides, I mean, I think Aaron Judge, when he's at his best, the entire team's at their best. And, you know, you can obviously say that about so many different players, but obviously it's not true with like Mike Trout, because whenever Mike Trout's at his best, which is all the time, his team still sucks. But I feel like Aaron Judge kind of has that energy that when he plays well, everyone else plays well too. And that's exactly what we need this season. Yeah, he is the anchor point for this team. When Aaron Judge is right, that opens everything up for everybody else. For Even, even if he's just getting on base and just walking, that's going to put Aaron Hicks in a better position. It's going to put Giancarlo Stanton in a better position. And it's just everyone kind of revolves around Aaron Judge. And even if we lose him, even if he did get hurt and we didn't have him, the focal point just changes. Then it's Giancarlo Stanton. Then it's Luke Voigt. Then it's Glaber Torres, DJ LeMahieu. Like, we have all these anchor points, but whoever the best player on the team is, when they're playing well, it tends to follow that the Yankees are also playing well. So if Aaron Judge plays 140 games, I have no doubt he'll win an MVP and the Yankees are going to be incredible. They are going to walk, walk to the American League East title this year. I am 
not sold on the Tampa Bay Rays at all. I know they're a mathematical anomaly every single year. I don't care about them this year. Third in the division. I'm even going to put the Blue Jays ahead of them now. And the Blue Jays are just way too young for me to care about. And their starting pitching is terrible. Those are going to be those are going to be fun games with the Toronto Blue Jays when it's like the back end of our rotation. Like we have Monty and and Domingo Herman or Davy Garcia lining up against like Nate Pearson and Tanner Roark. Like I am going to hammer the over on those games. It's going to be home runs all over the place. Well, not only that, but um, the Blue Jays also just lost Kirby Yates and um, tough blow, right now, tough blow. George, and then George Springer is out with an oblique strain. Um, and obviously, you know that's it's an injury, but at the same time, we saw how that affected Aaron Judge for the entire year. So. Yeah, we have become oblique strain experts because of the Yankees, because of Aaron Judge, Aaron Hicks. And we know that you never know if you're fully healed from the oblique strain until you actually get in a game and try like a full power swing at at a pitch that you get beat on. And then... If it's, you know, if you're fine, then everything's fine, but you're not going to know until that moment, whether or not you're fully healed. And if you have to limp off the field afterwards, that's not a good sign. And it's just the obliques terrify me, terrify me. Do we know where the oblique is? Of course not. But do we know it's a bad (laughs) sign? Absolutely. So therefore we are the experts here. Any oblique questions, please come our way. Just don't tell us where it's located. I know. Yeah. Yeah, I, I know where it's located too, but we'll keep that on the down low. We don't know where it's located, but the oblique is like, it's on par for me with like forearm tightness. If somebody says they have forearm tightness, um, uh, nope, Tommy John, that's it. They're done. They're done forever. Their career is over. Right. That's that's what forearm tightness says to me. And so far it's been right when I think back to like Luis Severino saying like, oh, like my forearm feels a little strained when I'm throwing the change up. Yeah, nope, shut it down. It's all over right. Exactly. We know we're experts. Um, so yeah, come to us with any oblique related questions. We got it covered. We got it covered. And I mean, at this point, what do we even have to talk about? Garrett Cole, he's ready to go. Jamison Tyone, he looks really solid so far. Uh, Corey Kluber, velocity is not quite there for Corey Kluber yet, uh, but I'm not overly concerned about it because the spin rate has been really good. So if he's going to kind of take a dip in velocity and up in spin rate, that's fine. Uh, Jordan Montgomery, we already know. Everybody who listens already knows. We are very high on Jordan Montgomery. We love Gumby. This is going to be a huge year for him, and he's going to shock everybody and be the best fourth starter in all of Major League Baseball. Uh, I think I think we just have to admit that Domingo Herman is going to be in the opening day rotation. I don't want to do that. You know, yeah, it's interesting. I It just brings back that that argument we've had multiple times about how you cannot let someone's character overshadow um you know their or i'm sorry you cannot let their play on the field overshadow their character um so it's really tough for me to sit there and be like yes i'm so glad he's on the roster yeah it's it's the Aroldis chapman treatment where i'm not necessarily a huge fan of Aroldis chapman because of what he's done in the past but i have to just acknowledge that this is a major contributor for a very promising team. And if that's what Domingo Herman's going to be, you know, hopefully he wins 20 games this year, but I would much rather have Davey Garcia win 20 games instead, because if we could work around that where Domingo Herman isn't in the rotation and we don't have to even think about that guy because he's a bad guy, that would be much more preferable. But the fact is baseball is a business. We hate, we hate baseball. 
business. It's the worst part of baseball. And Domingo Herman right now probably gives you a better chance to win games than Davey Garcia does. I just, I hate it. It does, And it doesn't even matter because Davey's still going to pitch 100 innings this year. Like we know that's coming, um, but I don't know. I would have liked to hear Davey Garcia's name in the opening day roster. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Um, and I know he got lit up his last, uh, his last spring training start, but like, to be honest, from what we've seen just the entire time, and that's one start, I take him. Absolutely. Yeah. And he's, he's going to be in the rotation at some point this year because someone's going to go down with, with an injury. Someone's going to have like a sore shoulder Like we can't rely on Jameson Tyone and Corey Kluber to be healthy all the year. That's just, it's not a realistic expectation. They're not going to go down with major injuries, but let's do some maintenance with them where if they're not feeling right, sit them, bring Clark Schmidt up when he's back, bring Davey Garcia up. Maybe Michael King has to make a start, which is less than ideal because he's been really bad, <laughs> really bad in spring training. But again, we don't care about spring training. So maybe it'll be good in the regular season. Yeah. yeah. For it's a just... start, I mean, give him a shot. You know, and the other thing, too, is even though, yes, he has looked very bad in spring training and even his time up in the majors has not been great. Um, it's also good if even if he pitches three innings of maybe two run ball or something like that, give the people something so that we can get something back for him, potentially, if it comes to that. So. Something to think about. Up his yeah. value a little bit, even though he doesn't necessarily have to be a major contributor for the Yankees. Um, you still kind of have to to bring him up, get his get his toes wet, and just try and see what you can get. Yeah, if we're at the point where Michael King is making a spot start, that's like, first of all, that's a bad sign for the general health of the rotation. That's not great. Uh, but secondly, I mean, give me give me three innings and three runs. Just give the Yankees offense a chance to stay in the game before you turn it over to the bullpen, which is, I mean, the bullpen just keeps getting injured. Now, Justin Wilson joining Zach Britton on the, uh, on the injured list. I don't think the injured list really counts in spring training, but we know what we're talking about. Uh, but then you have a guy like Lucas Lickey, who's just coming out of nowhere and striking everybody out from the left side. Like he has like 16 strikeouts and in 12 innings or something. That's absurd. Who is this guy? No clue. <laughs> no clue. I have no clue. I just know he's a lefty and he came out of nowhere and he's been nasty this spring. So maybe that's like a legitimate option for middle relief. And yeah, or all the Chapman suspended it. for I, game I one. Take anything, anything for middle relief or anything to strengthen the bullpen because Zach Britton is such a huge loss for them. Yeah, Britton, Britton is what Aaron Judge is to the offense. But that's what Britton is to the bullpen where he is the focal point where if you need an inning in two thirds, like Zach Britton's your guy. He can come in in the seventh inning and get you some easy ground ball outs. Like this is your this is your top guy in the bullpen. I would argue that Zach Britton is better than Aroldis Chapman as a oh, reliever. Sure. Yeah, and and Aroldis sure. Chapman's just stuck in that role as closer because that's just that's who he is. He's Aroldis Chapman. He throws a hundred miles per hour. But I would much rather have Zach Britton on the mound than Chapman. Well, with with the money that they paid Chapman, they. They paid him closer money. I mean, that's that's the bottom line. But the other thing, too, is that I would definitely say that. I mean, Aroldis Chapman, we saw it. We see it every single year. You can tell from pitches one and two whether he's on or whether he's going to have a terrible outing. And uh, what was it? Two or three of the last four or five seasons for the Yankees have ended on Aroldis Chapman blowing the save or giving up a home run. 
yeah, that's not great. That's not what you want. You don't no. uh, to quote our our favorite second favorite manager Joe Girardi. It's not what you want. No, not in the least. Yeah, it's um, he's he's had his moments, but at the same time, um, he's definitely had enough of those times where he comes in and pitch one. You're like, oh my god, he doesn't have it. Take him out. Like, don't even put him in the game. But don't have a choice. Those times when he has to come in and get five outs instead of just three. Yeah, you really put so much on his back. It's so hard to trust him just because I feel like for him, it's all about velocity, 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 and he's just trying to rear back and fire. And when he can't control that, that's when you get into trouble. Yeah, and when you look back to the uh, 2019, it's 2019? Yeah, I think it's 2019, um, against the Houston Astros. Yeah, against the Houston Astros. When you saw... Right from the jump, Araldis Chapman loses three fastballs high and away to Jose Altuve. And oh, you, yeah. knew, you knew it. you didn't even need the buzzers, the trash cans. You didn't need any of that to know that the next pitch that was coming was a slider in the zone. Like he wasn't going to mm-hmm. put Jose Altuve on. He had no feel for the fastball that night. Anybody could have hit that pitch. Anybody in the league could have taken that pitch to the seats. And it just so happened to be Jose Altuve. So, you know, fuck that guy. Um, but that's you don't get that with Britain. We don't have that concern where, you know, if Britain lets somebody on, he's getting a double play the next pitch. We're not concerned about it. Exactly. I mean, Zach Britton, the way he pitches, obviously, we all know this. He's a ground ball pitcher. And to me, that's far safer than Ronald Chapman, who seems to be a home run pitcher. Yeah, well, that's the downfall to these high velocity guys. And Garrett Cole has the same problem. If you're going to try to throw the heater, up in the zone, up at 100 miles per hour. If you miss, it's leaving the park. And there's a lot of risk in that. Whereas with Zach Britton, you're really just concerned like, well, let's hope that this grounder goes closer to somebody instead of closer to a gap. And that's it. You get another shot on the next guy, maybe you get a double play. I have I have always been a million times more comfortable with Zach Britton on the mound than a Rodas Chapman. And if, you know, in a perfect world, Chapman's probably like my seventh inning guy where you see the most important part of the lineup is before the closer role. You see the most important part of the lineup. Let's go get Araldis Chapman out there. And if you can tell he doesn't have it, you still have options that you can go to. It was like the Dellen Batanzas situation where you can see, yeah, pitch one, something's not right with his mechanics. So this is not going to go well for us. Uh, We went on a little bit of a bullpen deep dive there. That's okay, though. I mean, to be completely honest, uh, I know that... The Yankees, you know, obviously we've talked about the starting pitching so much and how impressive it is. I mean, we really didn't delve into, you know, what to look forward to in the bullpen. And, um, you know, we talked a little bit about Luis Sessa for closer, yes, but we haven't really, like, discussed middle relief. I mean, that's that's definitely something that's that's missing, and especially that eighth inning guy, because if you're going to have Chapman close, which he does tend to get injured um, or just tired, so he can't close every day, you don't have that backup in Zach Britton. And you don't even have Adam Adovino this year. So it's, right. you know, there's no, there's no safe bridge to the back end. And we're going to have to ask starters to work a little deeper than I think the Yankees would prefer early in the year. We know, you know, the first few weeks of the season, the first month or so, it's five and fly. Throw 80-something pitches, get out of there, get to the bullpen. 
might not have the same luxury this year because the the middle relief isn't quite as strong as it as it's been partly because of injury and partly because we just don't have the same manpower that we used to have i mean we're looking at nick nelson in the sixth inning instead of tommy canely now that's not ideal it's not it's not i mean that's i to tell you the truth i i do always worry worry about the bullpen um and especially last year the bullpen struggled i mean especially in the beginning of the season um they really couldn't hold the leads that we were we were giving them um or they just let the game get away from them and and then the offense really had to work you know instead of scoring two runs to win the game they ended up having to score five or six um so you know that that definitely happens but i have been always worried about the bullpen and that was even with tommy canely and adam Ottavino in the bullpen yeah now you look back and you're like i can't believe i was worried about that (laughs) we were so spoiled but now no now we really have to think about it and it's it's going to be take some getting used to for me. Um, and who knows, maybe the offense is just going to explode right out of the gate and, you know, provide that extra run support, give these bullpen um, pitchers some confidence. But as we know with the Yankees, you cannot predict. And uh, as we know with Gary Sanchez, especially, you definitely cannot predict what's going to happen. No, absolutely not. And I will say for Gary Sanchez, it's Really nice to see him going to the opposite field. Oppo Gary is the best version of Gary there is because he'll turn on a hanger and he'll hit it 500 feet. But then those down and away sliders, he finally puts them into right field instead of just whiffing on them. And that's his that's his big problem. He was whiffing on way more pitches than he's ever whiffed on before last year. And it's kind of been a, a bad trend where it's been getting worse every year. So maybe this year they finally fixed it. Maybe Gary's finally going to be you know, closer to 2016, 2017, Gary. I know it's a lot to hope for, but if he is, this is a dangerous lineup and the same thing with Giancarlo Stanton. Yeah, but you're seeing, um, you know, back in 2017 in the playoffs, his biggest hit of the entire year was that hit to uh, the opposite field double against the Houston Astros. Um, I believe it was game four. Uh, Yeah, it might have been game four. Yeah, I think it was game four. It's like game four. Um, yeah, I mean, that was that was textbook. It was perfect. Just him waiting on the pitch and taking it to the opposite field as opposed to trying to pull it like he's been trying to do the past two seasons. Like, look back at 2017, especially in the playoffs for Gary Sanchez. Just watch him. He just approaches everything so differently. So seeing opposite field hits now from Gary Sanchez makes me feel a little bit better because he's had success with those in the past and he can crush the ball anyway so you know what like you can hit a home run anytime if you can hit an opposite field double with a runner going from first base like that feels so much better to me yeah and I think I would love to see at some point we get to a Gary Sanchez shift that's more like a DJ LeMahieu shift than a Giancarlo Stanton shift. Like imagine Gary Sanchez goes opposite field so often that you just need to play the defense straight up. That is, that's my dream. That would be a perfect season for Gary and Sanchez. He's like, ha ha, like, let me just crush it down the left field line. Can't stop that. Yeah, now you're like, okay, let's stop trying to attack him with the slider down and away because he's getting to it. Let's go back to the heaters up and in. And then those ones end up Bye. touching the top of the foul pole. Right. Exactly. No, I, uh, I've been kind of watching some tape and stuff from back in 2017 and especially like the playoffs and everything like that. And just everything seemed to be working for the Yankees, especially going towards like the end of the, uh, ALCS. Um, but even the ALDS, um, you know, you saw moments like, of course, my, 
not my all-time favorite Brett Gardner moment, but let's talk about Brett Gardner because uh, <laughs> it wouldn't be it wouldn't be episode ninety-seven if we didn't talk about Brett Gardner. <laughs> well, exactly. Um, no, but like one of my all-time favorite Brett Gardner moments just really was a, a testament to the entire Yankees postseason was Game Five against the Cleveland Indians when they're only up by one. And yeah, Brett Gardner at the plate, fouling off pitch after pitch after pitch, working the count, and then finally just sneaking it past the second baseman. Perfect, perfect textbook hitting. And then obviously taking advantage of the error to score some extra runs. I know a lot of people are kind of like, oh, you remember all that? Well, hell yeah. <laughs> yeah, obviously. Yeah. That's yeah, there's the entire game. I there is nothing like a Brett Gardner at bat because, you know, 90% of the time he's going to see at least five, six, seven pitches. Like he's going to battle up there no matter what. And that's Absolutely. a lot of times that's exactly what you want, especially with a reliever. You just, you wear them down. And then all of a sudden the next guy up is DJ LeMahieu. The pitcher just threw, you know, eight pitches to Brett Gardner and then allowed a walk. Like that's, that's the perfect situation right there. That's exactly what you want out of the ninth yeah. hitter. Frustrating the pitcher and also potentially giving DJ um, a ball to put in play, which we know he can do. And we know Whenever he puts the ball in play, he pretty much gets on base. But let me just tell you, when I'm sad, when I'm depressed, when I'm having a tough time, watching that 14-pitch Brett Gardner at bat just makes everything so much better. <laughs> so much better. It's true. It's true. Tell me you can watch that moment without just getting the giddiest like feeling in your stomach. Like, Yeah, listen, I'm, I'm all in. I'm all in on Brett Gardner at bats. If you love baseball, that is the greatest moment you can ever see. Ah, I, I can't. I can't. <laughs> I also, I have to tell you, uh, so Josh interviewed Luke Voigt today or yesterday, and he asked about uh, Brett Gardner's attacks on Clint Frazier and Tyler Wade. I got I to gotta double check and see what he said. Yeah, so Josh told me that he just spoke to Luke Voigt and he can now confirm Gardner saves the pranking exclusively for Clint Frazier and Tyler Wade. He is, they, they are his only target. The only people in the locker room that are receiving Brett Gardner pranks are Tyler Wade and Clint Frazier. I mean, is that surprising though? Like, really? No, I mean, no. And that's Tyler Wade shouldn't have called him grandpa. That's shouldn't have done that because now Brett Gardner is going to come back at you. Yeah, it's, it's just, it's so funny because I mean, Brett Gardner is just this old curmudgeon in the locker room and the young guys are just trying to have fun, make their, make their mark on major league baseball. And Brett's like, I'm going to steal your car. Which still is super funny. And he still should do that. But now that he knows he's got to change it up a little bit. So but yeah, I honestly, absolutely. Tyler Wade could know that prank was coming and it would still be a funny prank. Cause there's no way, like there's no way Tyler Wade actually thinks Brett Gardner would do that. There's no way like, because no. that's a that's extreme. That's a pretty extreme prank. So when that actually happens, and Brett Gardner's like, "Yeah, man, I don't know what happened to your car. Like, why can't you unlock your car?" Tyler Wade is going to seriously consider the fact that his keys are broken and he just can't unlock his own car. And Brett Gardner is just going to walk back to his Jeep, drive home with no music on the radio, and just laugh the entire way. And it's just classic Brett Gardner. He's going to leave Tyler Wade there. He's not even going to text him or call him or anything. It's just. Let's see. Maybe tomorrow Tyler Wade will still be trying to get into his car. Brett Gardner has no idea what happens next. Yeah, exactly. And you know what? I wouldn't be surprised. 
not like a hitman, but like a prank man, you know, where he's like, you know what, listen, I don't want any part of this, but I want you to mess with his head so bad that he continues to blame me and then goes a little psycho about it. But here, I'm going to slide you like, you know, 10K under the table, my salary for this year, whatever, you know, whatever works. <laughs> my whole salary. Yeah, my whole salary. <laughs> entire salary for 2021. <laughs> Just make Tyler Wade think he's gone nuts. Yeah, that is that is so mean. <laughs> that is so mean. And it's like, it's believable. It's believable. The car prank really put me over the edge. Like, okay, like he clearly put a lot of thought into this and he was prepared to do this prank. And this is an extreme prank. So I don't think anything is off the table. No, no, I wouldn't be surprised. So yeah, if there's people out there that are looking for positions like you don't want you don't quite want to get into the business of a hitman because that's that's bad news. But I think you get arrested for doing that. That's a pretty good gig. A prank man. So send your applications to Brett Gardner at Yankee Stadium. Um, and I'm sure he'll look him over. Like I, I'm sure he'll take it pretty seriously. Yeah, I mean he's just gonna handcuff himself to Tyler Wade for the entire day, too, so that Tyler knows that Brett Gardner did not directly prank him. This was not Brett Gardner's doing how could it be because he was with me all day I had my eyes on him all day so how am I locked out of my car right now who stole my car I mean quite honestly though it would be even better if he played the whole you know sitcom prank like oh I accidentally handcuffed you to me and I definitely do not have the keys oh no wait you're starting today for the first time this season man I don't know what to tell you You just get me an infielder's glove. It's fine. You you throw with your right hand. I throw with my left hand. We'll just we'll share one glove in the middle, and and we'll make this work. We're getting so many ideas. Ah, oh, this is great. Oh my god, that's that's something I think the Yankees would lose their mind. Like Tyler Wade trying to play shortstop, and Brett Gardner's just like like it's one thing to have Elvis Andrus pretend to catch a fly ball that Adrian Beltre was actually catching, yeah. just to like throw him off. That's one thing to handcuff yourself to Tyler Wade and go out to shortstop with him. And remember, now we don't have a left fielder because you can't put 10 guys out on the field just because Brett Gardner handcuffed himself to Tyler Wade. So now DJ we only- LeMayhew, left field. Yeah, DJ LeMayhew, left field. So we have three infielders, just Tyler Wade and Brett Gardner running around like it's a three legged race. Uh, that would be quite the sight to see. Um, yeah, I, I like it. I like it, though. Yeah, so we we have we have Brett Gardner's next pranks. Let me uh, I'll I'll write that down and I'll I'll mail it to the Yankees. No, I won't mail it to the Yankees. I'll mail it to Brett Gardner and I'll write like a secret message on the real letter. It'll be like a fan letter, like "Hey, Brett Gardner, I love you so much." Blah 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 blah. Also, Black turn light. yeah, turn page over and turn on blacklight. Here's your prank on Tyler Wade. It's gonna ruin everything. It's gonna ruin his career. <laughs> it can't go through the U.S. Postal Service. It has to go through Pigeon Carrier. Pigeon Carrier. Okay, so it'll just drop out of the sky on Brett Gardner while he's playing 140 games in left field. Sad but true. Uh, all right. What else What else do we have for the Yankees? We're a week away from opening day. Do we even care about the next week? Does anything matter? Not really. Just as long as everyone stays healthy. That's the yeah. most important thing. Nobody get hurt. Nobody get hurt. Let's all, let's all go into the season healthy. It's always what I said playing like rec league basketball. If people get really intense about it. I'm like, all right, let's all just relax because we're all like we're all old people now. So let's nobody's nobody needs to get hurt out here. No one needs to pull a hamstring. That's all it is for the Yankees for the next week. Just 
Nobody pull anything. Everybody just chill. Go one for 20. I don't give a shit as long as you're in the lineup on opening day. Right, exactly. See some pitches, take it easy, buy some bubble wrap. You know the drill. Like we want to be full strength going into the season. Right now, the major thing is obviously missing Zach Britton. But like beyond that, I'm keeping my fingers crossed. Like, we are pretty healthy. We are not out of the woods yet, though. Like there's still this week. And like with the Yankees history and everything, I just get worried about it. So oh, I'm, def- I'm definitely scared. I'm definitely scared of the next yeah. week because this is this is like the Luis Severino situation where, you know, it's it's a minor thing. And then he's going to miss like the first month of the season. And then all of a sudden it's a major thing. He's going to be out for two fucking years. And that's like. And I, that's what I'm trying to avoid this week. I don't want anything like that. If anybody feels the slightest discomfort, if they sleep wrong and they have a kink in their neck, shut it down. Shut it down. Lock them away. Lock everybody up. Let's just let's get the AAA roster out there. That's it. And Brett Gardner, because he is never going to get injured no matter what. He is just the most durable human being of all time. Yay. I love Brett Gardner hitting third. Well, he hits pretty well. Third. Yeah. Surprisingly good career numbers in the three hole. <laughs> watch out, watch out, Aaron Hicks. One of, my, one of my favorite stats to bring up. I love doing that. Being like, yeah, Brett Gardner doesn't belong in the three hole. Let me prove you wrong. Tell that to his career 1200 OPS. Yeah. Talk to the man. <laughs> Who's better, Brett Gardner in the three hole or Mike Trout? Is this a serious question? I don't know. Actually, I'm. I'm Curious. I am curious to know is Mike Trout because you know Mike Trout plays in the two hole every single day. Whatever. Who has the better stats, Mike Trout or three hole Brett Gardner? Let's find out. Who are you looking up? Uh, I'll look up Mike Trout because I don't. I don't actually know how to do the uh, the by position in the lineup search we're doing this on the fly this is yeah so let's do and we'll do career we'll do it for the career yeah it's got to be career splits okay we're going career oh this is easy mike trout has a career 1000 ops right on the dot okay okay but wait how many at bats that is in career 4539 at bats 4000 4,539. That's too many. That's a lot. Well, let's just, let's throw the sample size out. Let's just, well, you know, we're just comparing. We're just, we just want to see. I'm trying to find, oh, here it is. Da, 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 da. All right. Tell me it's over a thousand. 42 career bats. His OPS is 684. Oh, that's not very good at all. <laughs> oh, my word. You lied to me. No. You lied to me. <laughs> All right, you want to know where his highest OPS is? Is it over a thousand? Uh, no, it's nine oh six. Nine oh six. Nine oh six is pretty good. Is that the? Uh, I'm going to say the nine hole. Nope. Lead off five. The five we, hole. We batted Brett Gardner fifth. We did. That makes no sense. We did it. Oh my god! All right, so that's that's the stat of the day. That's the Allison Case stat of the day. Brett Gardner not as good as Mike Trout. Who saw that coming? Well, you know what? We had to do our due diligence on this, so we did. Yeah, it. we know we did the due diligence. We did the work, and that's like uh, the 2020 season. Mike Trout with a 993 OPS. And he's like, ah, it's a bad year. Bad year. Stay tuned for next week when we compare Fernando Tatis Jr. 
try it, Tyler Wade. Yeah. <laughs> All right, yeah, let's do let's do Tyler Wade in the eight hole. Let's see how good Tyler Wade is in the eight hole next week. All right, so we'll wrap it up there for this week. When we talk to you next, Major League Baseball will have had its opening day. We will be on the board with a win. Put it in the books right now. Garrett Cole, opening day, six innings, no earned. All right, he's calling it. He's I'm calling, calling it. it. Early prediction. Uh, all right, see you all next week. Okay, bye, guys.